Hello, welcome into the show that's all about the South. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl on a Tuesday. Hope y'all are doing good. I tell you what, I have had a day that I have never had before in my life. I'll maybe have to tell you about it because, frankly, I'm coming in here today <laughs> blindfolded as yours truly did something that I am not necessarily a fan of. I'm coming in here today without a whole lot of prep work. As a little boy, I was in something called the Boy Scouts, and we had a little motto called Be Prepared. I'm not prepared, and you know what? We might end up having the best show we've ever done because of that. Who knows? We need your help here. I'm John Rawl. This is y'all, and we need we need help. I need somebody to, to be up here and be with me for the next three hours as we talk all things south. Our number is 803-816-1170. That's how you can get in touch with the show that's all about the South. That's a text line. That is also a number that you can call and join us for the fun. Now, I'm going to tell you as we march through this show, what in the world is causing me to not necessarily come in here with my what I think is an A game. I don't think I have my A game, at least in preparation, going into the show. But when it's all said and done, we just might surprise you. But I have a pretty good excuse, I think, of why my A game preparation at least was not ready today and I'll share that with you as we move along in our programming. We want to also let you know the Y'all Show is powered in part by Y'all.com. Y'all.com is the South's homepage and if you go there you'll see incredible stories, interviews, a lot of fun. You'll even see yours truly right there on the South's homepage, Y'all.com. So get Give yourself a, a spin, if you will, on the great website called y'all.com. Hope y'all are doing good. We're going to go through what's going on in the news headlines here on this Tuesday Y'all show. We've got to look at some sports goings on. And we'll also, in hour two, get our barbecue fix. As we're going to be visiting with the owner of Davila's Barbecue, and that is in Seguin, Texas. And we're going to be talking to the pitmaster. He is the third generation pitmaster of Davila's Barbecue. And that is in Seguin, Texas, roughly 20 miles east of San Antonio on I-10 heading back toward Houston is where you'll find that town. And Davila's does a fantastic job of mixing in great Texas barbecue brisket with their Mexican and Spanish cowboy heritage. The Vaqueros is what that is called. And we will be letting you learn all about that rich heritage when we get to that interview coming up in hour two of our little show, All About the Southeast. That is headed your way on the Y'all Show. And as we said, we got plenty of sports stuff that we got to cover. NFL training camp news. More on what's going on with the Indianapolis Colts after their propose, suppose, whatever word you want to use. Starter goes down with a foot injury. And what will Frank Wright and the horseshoes do going forward? We also will give you the latest on politics across the southeast. On Monday, John Bell Edwards of Louisiana became the first governor in the entire country to announce a mask mandate for indoors in the Pelican State. 
And now other cities, states are looking to Louisiana and likely adding their own mask mandates. We've got a nasty outbreak of this Delta variant. We're seeing numbers up multiple times over what they were just a few days ago. It's the time of year where kids are going back to school. We're seeing outbreaks in our schools, those that have already started. We're seeing schools that are supposed to start any day now, all of a sudden go into crisis mode and likely will be postponing and or changing the rollout of their semester, their return from the summer break. So you might want to check in with your local school district if you're a parent and if you have a child who might be expected to go to school in the next few days, there's a very good chance that that school district's going to make some revisions as we have, again, a big outbreak. I was just told by our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, that he's got a grandson who's on a high school football team, that they've got an outbreak of some of the players, and now this team is not practicing. Likely you're going to see that repeat across the southeast over the next few days and weeks. And here we go again. We're likely going to see, in terms of a sports aspect, cancellations, postponements, and more of the drama that we saw in the fall of 2020 going into the start of football season. Not that that's that important, but we thought we were out of this thing. We thought that we're getting back to normal. In fact, we thought Joe Biden was going to come in and fix all of our problems. Well, that's not happening. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying there were some people that thought the previous administration was to blame for the COVID outbreak. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what political side, where you live in this entire world, we're all open to this thing. Even the little ones, even the little ones can come down with this and some can even die. So that's what's going on in a COVID aspect with our news headlines and more. Hey, again, we want to hear your thoughts. What do you think about all of this? 803-816-1170 is the way to get in touch with us as we are looking for your input. Again, today I am kind of coming in here somewhat in the dark, and that's because of a couple things that I'll tell you about. Let me go ahead and tell you a little bit. So I don't want to try to get too personal because this is not a show about me. This is a show about y'all. But you need to know, we all, in life, if you're lucky enough to have parents, you have parents who ultimately get perhaps old if you're lucky. And and if you're a normal person, those parents end up dying or getting close to death. And I'm having an issue with one of my folks right now, my, my dad. He's got a cancer fight. And I was with him for several days last week. Had a great time. He was in the hospital, and I went and saw him. I left him because there wasn't much I could do. He had improved enough to where he was out of the hospital. And any of you who've been in a cancer fight or been with a loved one in a cancer fight, there's no timeline. You have no idea. You do the best you can, whether you're the patient or you're a family member, a friend, or whoever. So I go on with my life, and I leave my dad. 
And within 24 hours of leaving, I get a call from my mom that he had taken a big turn for the worse and he had to go back to the hospital. I got a call right in the middle of this show on Monday that family was being called in from my dad, that the end was here, it, it appeared. And the end could be here, I, I don't know. I got a call this morning after being up all night long. My mom said, don't rush here. You had just had nine days with him. You don't live in this town. Just just be, be on standby, but there's nothing you can do. You don't need to drive all night to be here. Because frankly, I don't think I could have made it in time. This morning, I had not heard anything when I got up. Well, I really didn't sleep, frankly. How can you sleep when you're about to lose a loved one? I get up and go. I get a call from my mom. My dad's better. He's not out of the woods, but he's actually doing better. He was on his deathbed and likely could still be, but we thought any moment now he was going to be gone last night. And the only reason I'm telling you this today is because I just got a, a text from my mother within the last 30 minutes about why he and his cancer fight, he's got lymphoma. He's had it for a few years. It's been a real pain in the tuchus, but he's essentially continued his life as about as normal as you can with a fight like that. I get a call or I get a text from Mama before I come on here. And lo and behold, last Friday night, my son, myself, my mother, and my dad, because he had had a little bit better day last Friday and was able to go get a shower, shave on his own, as he had, again, been at home for a few days, we decided to go out on the town. We'd actually been out two or three days for a meal prior to the Friday of last week. So in my hometown, we go out to eat, and I hate this. I love the South, and I love people. I love the people of the South, but gosh, I just can't stand the dilemma of where you go to eat. That constant dilemma that everybody's got, whether it's with a loved one or it's a, a child. Hey, you hungry? Yeah. Well, where you want to eat? What are you thinking? I, I, who likes that? Who likes that battle? Well, unfortunately for me, we I have that every time I'm with my folks. And I know they have a very limited amount of places they approve of because that's they have that right. When you get in your senior years and or your the parents, if you follow the Ten Commandments, you honor the parents. And, hey, if that's where they want to go, that's where you're going to go. My dad likes Olive Garden for some reason. And a lot of times we go to Olive Garden. But... On this occasion, he didn't really feel like driving all the way to Olive Garden. So it was a Friday night. Again, this was just, what, four days ago. We go out and we eat in my hometown. And we chose to go to Catch is the name of the place. I shouldn't actually give it the name, but I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. We went to Catch. And they had really good food there. Catch is a seafood restaurant. A special was going on on Friday night of oysters on the half shell. And I didn't get it, but my dad did. I got the catfish and shrimp. They had a good calabash shrimp special with catfish. And I got a nice heaping helping of that. But my 
dad went with the oysters on the half shell. 45 minutes ago, I got a text from my mother saying that they had figured out why my dad had taken this horrible turn from bad to super worse in the last two days. My father has been diagnosed in this hospital with a marine bacteria infection. He essentially has been infected because of eating oysters on Friday evening. Now, he, again, is a, a, a man in his late 70s who is in a cancer battle. He's had a stint here lately. I'm not totally blaming oysters, but he's got a marine bacteria infection going on, and that is why he has had, honestly, tremendous pain, and that's why he's been out of his mind over the last 48 hours. And I just pray and hope. I mean, I've been praying. I, I, I pray and hope he gets out of it. He's in surgery right this moment. So if you don't mind, say a little prayer for my dad, Clayton. And, and again, I, I'm saying prayers because I knew last night at any given second I was going to get that call that we all know we're going to get one day. But it didn't come. And, again, I'm not gloating. My, my dad's in a real uphill battle. But it looks like part of his uphill battle is from marine bacteria infection, from eating oysters on the half shell. They are currently in surgery, cutting out dead skin on his growing. And the doctor said it had to be done today. We know, if you know anything about oysters, they, they can be nasty little creatures. They can really make you sick. And in the case of my dad, perhaps even be either fatal or pretty close to fatal. And I just, I, I hope and pray that it all turns out as good as it can. He's still got a big fight. He's got, again, lymphoma going on and more. But he's a really funny guy, a farmer. And I, I don't normally like to talk about my life. I'm, I'm trying to be about y'all, not me. But there's a point in time where you have to talk about your loved ones. And Part of the reason I'm doing that is because this strange turn. I wasn't even sure, I wasn't sure yesterday at this time that I was even going to be here today. I'd already told the powers that be that family was called in for my dad, that it was going to happen, and it still could. It, it's a tough battle. But, gosh, oysters is is the main reason this thing has gotten to where it is today. And as a good South Carolinian, let me tell you, we got great oysters in South Carolina. And I love Apalachicola, where they harvest oysters big time right there on the Gulf Coast of Florida. All of our states that are oyster-producing states here in the South, we, we love your oysters. But if you know anything about oysters, you know that typically you eat them in the months that have R's in them. And we're in August. So the old wise tale is we're not really in oyster eating season or oyster harvesting season. You gotta wait till it turns September. Frankly, I think most people wait till October. And in the Carolinas we got something called an oyster roast that is absolutely the coolest thing that you can have as you put oysters on your grill in a burlap sack and it gets those oysters steamed. 
And frankly, having steamed oysters or having them cooked in some way has to be a lot safer than what people like my father enjoy eating from time to time, oysters on the half shell. Those things, I'm not a chef, but I don't think they have any kind of cook cooking to them. They're just raw oysters. And, geez, what a crazy, crazy thing to have to share with you here today. But, but that's why we are the Y'all Show. That's a Southern tradition, but it's a Southern tradition we better be on the lookout for and be a little bit careful about because you could end up with, just like Daddy, a marine bacteria infection. So good luck, Daddy, Papa, as he's known to the grandkids, and Daddy to me. And I hope he comes through surgery just fine. And thank you for giving me a few minutes to talk about him and the crazy twists and turns of the last couple of days that I've had to go through. And still, again, not out of the woods. If you hear me suddenly disappear for a few days here on the radio and or podcast, there's probably something going on back on the farm with Mama and Daddy. This is the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent with John Rawl. We're going to take a break, come back, and I'm going to fill you in with some of the news happenings of Dixie. That's up next. Stay tuned to Talk with a Southern Accent. on the radio or podcast you you think of that aquatic lifestyle and if you just are tuning in i spent the last few minutes talking about the drama going on within my own family my dad is currently in surgery because he's got a awful bacteria caused by eating oysters that in addition to his battle currently he's got with lymphoma and more and my brother has just sent out a group text to all family members by the way with the same message i was just telling y'all about my brother saying, only eat oysters in months that have an R in them. Thank you, brother. And uh, while I'm getting kind of personal here on today's Y'all Show, talking about my family, which again, I don't like to talk about. And reason I don't talk about family all that much, because that was one of the biggest turnoffs I had tuning in to Regis and Kathy Lee all those years. Every show, it looked like half of the show was all about Kathy Lee talking about her kids. And we got more important things to do to talk about kids and family, but I will tell you about that. But my brother who just texted me, tell me if there's a better, better Southern name connections than what I have in my own family. 
I've got an older brother whose name is Spanky, and I got an uncle named Bubba. Those are two pretty good Southern nicknames that I have in my very immediate family. Now, if y'all know better nicknames for your family members that are very close to you, I want to hear about it. 803-816-1170 is how you can let me know if you can top Bubba. And that really is his name. I mean, that. I mean, it wasn't given that name at birth, I don't think. But I went and saw Uncle Bubba while I was in the home county last week. And he, he is uh, – the name Bubba fits. Let's just be honest. Uh, Bubba – is is a good old southern boy in fact he has a jeep that he drives with a license plate on the front that tops my license plate and i've got a good license plate on the front of my very impressive southern car his is actually a license plate that has words and those words actually they're words and numerals his license plate says 100 percent redneck that's on the front of Uncle Bubba's Jeep that uh, he sports around, and he and he's proud of it. And I'm I'm proud of him, and and he is a redneck, but he's a he's kind of like me. He's got a, a bit of sophistication to him. I'm personally half redneck and half sophisticated, and if you're in that same category, we're glad that you're tuning us in here on Talk with a Southern Accent. Speaking of that combination of sophistication and rednecks, let's go to Louisiana for a story here. A groom there arrested on his wedding night after allegedly opening fire on the highway with his own wife and friend in the car. (laughs) What a way to start off a marriage, getting arrested on your wedding night, actually still wearing his tuxedo from the wedding. This happened on the Bonnie Carey Spillway as Devin Jose Jones and his new bride, along with a male friend. What's a male friend doing in the car? with a newlywed couple. Well, that was the case in the Alexandria area. According to St. John Parish Sheriff Mike Triggy, he reported on this incident in the Alexandria, Louisiana area as this man is accused. He accused his new bride. No, don't tell me. The reason there was a scuffle, if you will, on the newlyweds wedding night is mr jones accused his new bride you know where i'm going with this he accused his new bride of having an affair with the this male friend and he exited the car allegedly shot at the friend and also fired at another car in traffic and all that on his wedding day nothing says i do like telling your loved one hey i love you but oh by the way honey I, I, I think I got something going on with somebody else, if that indeed was the case there. The man's wife, the bride, ran from the car, according to police, took refuge in an ambulance that was assisting people in the car crash that happened. Crazy story from the Pelican State over the weekend. Just leave the wedding when you get married and don't take other people in the car with you or else you'll be in the headlines, just like this story right here, of people being arrested on their wedding night for getting in a gunfight on the highway with your friend in tow. A sad story from the Birmingham media world. Legendary Birmingham TV morning show host Tom York has passed away. York, a fixture 
on WBRC-TV in Birmingham. He was on TV in the Magic City from 1957 until 1989, and he died on Sunday at the age of 96 years old. The Tom York Morning Show. If you've ever been in central Alabama, you were likely tuning in for those roughly 30-plus years that this morning show host, Tom York, hosted on WBRC-TV. According to his son, Byron, when I was a kid, I thought he was world famous. Everybody I knew knew who he was. It was just normal to me. And this gives me the opportunity to tell you about how important those TV personalities were in the local markets back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. It's not such a big deal, in my opinion, now, because we've got too many choices. As TV viewers, you don't even have to watch your local TV market stations. I don't. I am more likely to watch YouTube and maybe see some of the national shows. But at, in the, back in the day, when you wanted to watch TV, you had one, in some cases, like in my case, because I live far enough away from the city that I was near that the two UHF stations didn't come in that great. So I had the one VHF station that I could tune in, and then the other stations might as well not even be on the air as far as I was concerned. But if you lived in a, in a town, you were lucky to have two or three different TV options growing up, and chances are those local TV personalities were big stars. Big, big stars in your community. And some of those folks are still with us. And in this case, in Birmingham, Alabama, Tom York was one of them from WBRC-TV, which I think BRC was part of that whole move of affiliation back in the 90s when Fox News got the NFL rights. And I think BRC, I should take a moment to pull this up, I think it is now a Fox affiliate, but let me check in with my good friends at Google. Shameless plug for them. And WBRC-TV is a Fox affiliate, yes. And let me see, back when Mr. York was working there, if I go back in the archives, it was an ABC affiliate primarily. From 1949 to 1996, it was... Birmingham's ABC affiliate. How about this? It was an NBC affiliate, a CBS affiliate until 1962, I think. But it also, at one time, do y'all remember a network called Dumont, the Dumont Television Network? Well, that was one of the early affiliations, WBRC, which covers Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, and Anniston in central Alabama. It was part of that so some tv history here on the y'all show and one more story from across the region here as we have the y'all show up and going on this tuesday let's take you to north carolina and one of the cool things i've seen in my travels of the southeast i've been to the north carolina area that's got wild horses on some of those islands near moorhead city And, unfortunately, Hazel, a wild horse that's well-known in eastern North Carolina, Hazel the wild horse has died 
And experts are saying the reason for this wild horse's death was extreme temperatures, the likely reason for the passage of this Corolla wild horse that was found dead this past weekend as the heat index in that portion of North Carolina reached 110 degrees. And now the cool thing, and there's an awesome Instagram feed, the Corolla Wild Horse Fund. You can go on and actually contribute money to support these wild horses right here in the south in North Carolina. Now, if you've been out west, there's a lot of states that have plenty of wild horses. If you travel like I did a couple years ago in the Phoenix area, you'll be driving down some of these kind of desert roads, and all of a sudden you'll see a, a sign that says, look out for wild horses. I never saw any, but they're around. Well, we have wild horses here in the south. And right there on the Outer Banks area, if you will, or I think they call that in the southern Outer Banks, I think is what Beaufort, North Carolina, and Moorhead City, that area where you'll find some of these wild horses are located. But these horses are really spoiled. They live on a barrier island. And so these wild horses literally just go kind of take strolls along the beach, a beach that they have all to themselves. They don't have to share it with these darn human beings, lucky creatures, huh? And unfortunately, again, this horse has died at the age of roughly 30 years old, give or take. Maybe there's some veterinarian students at NC State there who've been able to go look into more of Hazel's background hazel was part of amadeo's harem for many years then once amadeo was rescued she lived with junior and bonnie and june those are all horses and then the last couple of years she could be found with other harems in swan beach that had foals all you horse lovers you likely know what the heck i'm talking about here but how about that the south and its wild horse population And unfortunately, one of our more senior wild horses in North Carolina, Hazel, has died. And experts saying extreme temperatures, the likely reason for the passage of this beautiful horse. That if you were lucky enough, you might have seen the beautiful wild horse in the wild as I've been. You can actually take tours if you're in the Moorhead City area. That's about halfway if you're looking at a map. North Carolina's coastline, you got the Outer Banks, which are kind of in the northeastern corner of the state. The southeastern corner would be Wilmington going down toward Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And where I'm talking about is about halfway along the coast of North Carolina is where some of these wild horses are located. And it's a, it's a lovely place. Here on the Y'all Show, we love to tell you about beautiful places and unique places. And, again, if you want to see something pretty unique, plan your vacation for those southern Outer Banks areas of, I think it's called the Crystal Coast of that portion of the Old North State. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We'll take a break and we'll come right back. I'm going to tell you all about the Missouri Tigers. We're on a 44-city tour of the South's college football teams, and it's M-I-Z. I'm not getting a Z-O-U back from here at the Dixie Cafe. But, yeah, it's all about Missouri. We'll tell you about their 2021 schedule and later the traditions of old Mizzou. This is the Y'all Show.
The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years, and the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. And this is the All Shows Tour of the Southeast. And today we're stopping off in Como as the Missouri Tigers are today's latest stop on our tour, getting you ready for the start of college football. M-I-Z-Z-O-U. about Truman and the University of Missouri, the SEC old-timers now that it looks like Texas and Oklahoma are SEC-bound. How about that? It was less than 10 years ago. Missouri was slugging it out in the Big 12, and they made the move to the SEC. And, boy, what a move it's been. Got to give Missouri a lot of credit. Remember, in their first two years as SEC members, This program, which had really struggled, it's a program that had been forgotten about in the Big 12, and going back to the old Big 8 days, gosh, they never could get past the Nebraskas and Oklahomas of the world, and so they find themselves in some little tiny rinky-dink conference called the SEC, and they go to the SEC championship game two consecutive years. I think it was that first year they went into Athens and defeated the dogs between the hedges. And their first chance. How many people do that in their first SEC game at Georgia? And they win. They win. And that's what happened if you go back when Missouri first entered the SEC. But, y'all, that was a long time ago now looking back. And here on the Y'all Show, we got to kind of bring you up to speed with Eliah Drinkwitz and his current Missouri Tiger team as it gets ready for the 2021 campaign. I was very impressed with Drinkwitz. Here's a guy who had been a coordinator at NC State for a while, and he got a chance to go over to Appalachian State and did a fantastic job with the Mountaineers before he got the promotion to the SEC and to coach Missouri. And this is an Arkansas native in Drinkwitz that has kind of got this team going. They, of course, just like everybody, had a rather – tough 20 with COVID and all and having Alabama come in which was not I don't think budgeted prior to last year to be an opponent but they have made the most of their opportunity and here entering I think this is going to be his second full season 
leading the Missouri Tigers on the gridiron. Missouri's got quite a schedule awaiting, and we're going to walk through that. Now, the first game's a little bit of a breather. Central Michigan, the Chippewas coming in to Faroe Field on the Mizzou campus on September 4th. But then it's right in the SEC play. And Missouri and Kentucky get together on September 11th at Kroger Field. On the 18th, in-state foe SEMO out of the OVC, the Red Hawk Indians fly up to Columbia for a game against Mizzou. Mizzou goes out of the conference for another non-conference game. This one is at Boston College on September 25th. And then October 2nd, Josh Heupel and the Tennessee Vols wind their way across the Mississippi River into Missouri, and they will take on Mizzou on October 2nd in an SEC East clash. One more out-of-conference game October 9th as the Mean Green Eagles of North Texas play at Como. October 16th, it's their old Big 12 foe, Texas A&M, comes in for a game. They're on the road in Music City on October 30th as Missouri's at Vanderbilt. And then they're at Georgia, November 8th, home against South Carolina on November 13th. They'll be at home also against the Florida Gators on November 20th. And then this newfangled rivalry game the SEC has set up between Missouri and Arkansas, and that will take place on the campus of Arkansas on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, Friday, November 26th. That is the Missouri Tigers football schedule heading into the 2021 campaign. And let me take a stab here, if you don't mind, of what I think Trent Gwitz and company are likely going to pull out of here in 2021 with this kind of schedule. Of course, with that first game, I don't think they're going to have too much of a problem with the Chippewas out of the Ohio Valley Conference. No, out of the MAC. I'm sorry. I'm thinking all those teams in Ohio, but that's my apologies to OVC football. Although you got an OVC member in SEMO traveling to Como for the game there this year. Connor Bazelak is the quarterback of Mizzou, and he is a very good quarterback. Got a lot of attention, and he has turned heads as he's going to be skippering this team entering the 2021 season. And if you look at the way the schedule shakes out, I see Missouri likely winning three of their four games to start the year. I think they'll probably beat Tennessee. They'll beat North Texas. Tough one against Texas A&M. We'll chalk that up as a loss. I think they can beat Vanderbilt on the road. So you're looking at two-thirds of the way Missouri should, in my opinion, be about a five-and-three or possibly six-and-two football team. And that's probably good enough to be ranked at that point on the schedule. Now, Murderer's Row comes with Florida on there, but they also have Georgia on that back nine of the schedule, and that that's going to likely be a loss. But they, they can beat South Carolina at home. Heck, they can beat Florida at home. And, and I, know, I know they can beat Arkansas. In fact, Drinkwitz at SEC Media Days pretty much called out the Razorbacks, if you go back and hear what he was saying on the podium while at the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover, Alabama. So look for Missouri and Basilac to have an impressive year and move the goalposts further on down the line 
for this program as the 38-year-old coach of the Tigers, Drakewitz, is giving Missouri fans some good things to look forward to. This is a program, let's be honest, really has been unfairly criticized or perhaps penalized is probably the better word for things that happened that had nothing to do with the football team. They had to do with the university. Remember, it was about four years ago that Missouri erupted with a lot of the social media justice warrior nonsense, and it caused the enrollment of the MU campus to go down. They forced the president out of there as some of these activists just, I I think, unfairly went after the administration. And it it actually rolled into the football team. You you had their coach who had his own health problems essentially be forced out because of some of the social justice nonsense going on. And then they went to one of their own who did a fair job, but now Drinkwitz is the guy that – Missouri, and with Drinkwitz's history of leading quarterbacks, that's one of his real keys. In fact, one of the other cool things about Eli Drinkwitz is that he still calls the plays, even though he's the head coach, he's also the play caller on offense. And that's going to be a big plus, I think, for Missouri, as he has been on scene now for now the second year after coming over after Barry Odom got sent packing, and Odom is now part of the Arkansas Razorback staff. And last year, Missouri's record was 5-5. Five and five. And I know it was a really unusual season, and 5-5 five and five in the SEC is nothing to sneeze at. In most years, they would have probably been 6-2 and two in SEC play and likely won three of their non-conference games. So that would have been a 9-3 and three season in normal years in 2020, his first year coaching Missouri and his previous season of being a head coach and his only other year at being a head coach at App State, he went 12-1, and 12-1 and as the Mountaineers head coach. Led them to the New Orleans Bowl before he took off for Mizzou. So this year, Missouri has a great opportunity to show just what a good hire perhaps Drinkwitz was when he was brought on to be the skipper of this SEC East program. And we wish them all the best. A little bit about Missouri's history. As I said, they were once members of the Big 8 Conference, then went on to be part of the Big 12 Conference. And Missouri has put out players in the past. They've gone to bowl games. But overall, they essentially have been right there alongside Iowa State and Kansas State prior to Mr. Snyder coming on board, and even Kansas for being forgotten about prior to some of their great moments of history. This is a program that actually still claims two national titles. 1960 is a year Missouri claims as a national title. And did you realize they claim 2007? as a national title, as Gary Pinkle, the guy I was telling you about, the visored one, did a great job with this program for a number of years before he was kind of sent packing for succumbing to the pressure of social justice, in my opinion. But in 2007, Mizzou went 12 and – 2007, they were 12 and 2. And one outlet 
gave them a national championship for that season. Now, in 1960, and I think a program in Oxford, Mississippi, would have issue with this, and I think Minnesota was technically the AP national champion in 1960. Dan Devine's Missouri Tigers are credited with an 11-0 record. They actually were 10-1, but Kansas ultimately forfeited their game, and so it goes down officially as an 11-0 campaign back in 1960, in case you're keeping score at home. But, again, back when they joined the SEC in 2013, they went straight to the title game in Atlanta. They lost in 2013 to Auburn. They lost to Alabama in 2014 in the SEC championship game. And Missouri coming off of a very good couple of years. Now, last year they were supposed to go to a bowl game. Unfortunately for them, it got canceled. They were supposed to go to the Music City Bowl, but COVID got the best of them there. So now, again, what Gary Pinkle did for all those years, Barry Odom had them for a couple of years, took them to bowl games, but overall had a, a ho-hum event there at his alma mater. And now Eli Drankwitz, the Arkansas native, a guy born in Norman, Oklahoma, but really an Arkansan, leading this program at the ripe age of 38 years old and Again, look for Missouri to be maybe a surprise team entering the 2021 campaign and what they expect to do on the gridiron for M-I-Z-Z-O-U. The Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent is loud and clear. When we come back, we've got a quick political report of what's going on across the Southeast as we wrap up this first hour of our conversation about Dixie. Stay tuned. Southern accent. What's your mama saying? She's telling you to listen to the y'all show. That's what mamas are telling their kids each and every day. And we are the South's talk show. And we are just so darn tickled that you've taken us a little bit of your time to listen on awesome radio stations and 
on great podcast choices like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All you got to do is go on and search for Y'all Show. We're right there. Nice, beautiful Y'all Show logo will prove we are who we say we are. We is who we say we is. We is y'all. Now on the Y'all Show, as we wrap up this first hour, Mama wouldn't like me using that incorrect English. Slap your mama. No, Mama needs to slap me for saying things like that. Let's wrap up this hour with a couple of quick political-related stories here on the Y'all Show. A judge in Maryland has slammed a lobbyist that's tied in to former President Donald Trump, and this judge has slammed this lobbyist for defying a court order. You don't do that. Circuit Judge Christopher Fogelman rebuked Bennett lawyer Patrick Gaffney for essentially being unresponsive to the litigation he filed back in 2019. And this former lobbyist, uh, maybe still a lobbyist, I'm not sure if he's still representing Trump or more, but lobbyist Barry Bennett refusing the judge, refusing to lift a default judgment against him for defying a court order court order for over a year in a lawsuit brought by a former associate who claimed she was never paid $300,000 in referral fees. I missed my calling. I should have been a lobbyist. But yes, this lawyer in trouble in Maryland now. And that is one of our political stories here today. To Tennessee we go. Governor Bill Lee, who actually grew up on a cattle ranch, I think in Williamson County around Franklin, He is not going to help the volunteer state incentivize COVID shot, but pays to vax cows. Could this be a conflict of interest? Story being put out today by the Associated Press. Tennessee has sent nearly a half a million dollars to farmers who have vaccinated their cattle against respiratory diseases and other maladies over the past two years. But this governor of Tennessee, Republican Bill Lee, who grew up, again, as a cattle farmer, has been less enthusiastic, according to the article, about incentivizing herd immunity among humans. That might just be a little bit of a problem. So that's a story out. You can check that out at politico.com. Tennessee's herd health program began back in 2019 under Governor Lee and his own business, Triple L Ranch, breeds polled Hereford cattle, The state currently reimburses participating farmers in the herd health program. They give them reimbursements up to $1,500 for vaccinating their herds, and they've handed out nearly a half million dollars over the past two fiscal years, according to documents from the Tennessee Agriculture Department. Again, part of the conflict here, part of the maybe anger expressed in this Politico article is that the Tennessee governor is given – incentivizations, if you will, to cows, but he's not given financial booster shots, if you will, to good old human beings. And that likely is not making too many people in some portions of Tennessee very happy. So advantage cows and all you humans out there, you're just going to have to move it on over. Y'all talk with a southern accent. That wraps up hour one with a quick little political blast for you. When we come back, well, speaking of cows, sorry, cows, you're not going to like what we're going to be talking about in hour two. 
We're going to be talking about barbecue. We're going to be specifically talking about brisket, Texas brisket, as Davila's Barbecue in Seguin, Texas, is one heck of an option. And I've just had the opportunity to speak, and we're going to bring him back on with the pit master of Davila's Barbecue, Adrian Davila. He is a third-generation pit master at Davila's in Seguin, roughly 25 miles east of San Antonio. And Adrian and I, we're going to talk Texas barbecue and other great eats that you'll find at his legendary restaurant that's been around in that portion of Texas going on 60-plus years. Great conversation. It's coming up in hour number two. Plus, we have entertainment news to tell you about. All that is headed your way. And I know there was at least one story that's breaking here today that's got a, a really interesting twist to the South that we'll be weighing in on that as part of our entertainment headlines of the second hour. And we'll also give you more information from the sports world of what is going on there. That plus a look at what's at y'all.com. All that ahead in hour number two of the show that's all about the South. Our number to text or call 803-816-1170. The show about the South returns after this. ahead with the show covering everything across the southeast that's alabama arkansas florida georgia kentucky louisiana maryland mississippi missouri north carolina oklahoma south carolina tennessee texas virginia and west virginia those are our wheelhouse on this show that's all about the south how are you guys doing? I'm John Rawl, and we're in for another two hours to walk you through all of the fun stuff across Dixie on what many of you are enjoying a beautiful Tuesday. What a lovely day the Lord has made. Temperatures just about perfect in some cases. Nice sunny skies, and I know some of you might have a little thunder boomer pop up, but most of those look like they're heading on out and it is a beautiful way to start the month of August. Now, again, a lot of people paying a lot of attention to the spread of the Delta variant of COVID-19. Definitely don't want to forget about that. But it is the time of year that we need to enjoy these special moments like we have right now to start off a month like we're enjoying the month of August already. What a, what a fantastic, fantastic day. 803-816-1170. That's how you can get in touch with us here at y'all. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and challenge you here. If you're having a, a beautiful day, if you see something beautiful out there across the southeast today, something that you are just can't wait to share, we want to we wanna see it. Yeah, we want to live vicariously. That's one of my favorite words. We want you to share that with us. Just text that beautiful picture of the South to 803-816-1170. 
and we'll be more than happy to share that. If, if you don't mind, share that with us and share that with the world, with the y'all world. And we'll do that right here on y'all. Let's start off this hour with some entertainment news across the southeast and across the entire galaxy, the southern galaxy here. And we'll start off with some Ashley Judd news. Have y'all heard about what happened to her a while back? She was in Africa, and she got into a nasty accident in Congo. And it looks like the Kentucky native, mostly raised in the Franklin area of Nashville, Ashley Judd walking again six months after shattering her leg in this accident in Africa. And she said it's with quite all that she's actually walking nearly six months after shattering that leg in four places while on a trip in the Democratic Republic of Congo. The actress from movies like Double Jeopardy, and I think she was in Mississippi Burning, I think the one with Matthew McConaughey. There's a a very personal story that I know about those two when they were filming that one. I can't disclose that here, even though y'all were my great friends. I that's one I'm going to have to do off the air. <laughs> Woo, some Hollywood gossip. But yes, Ashley Judd, who's also a very outspoken activist, a very Democratic kind of lady, if you, if you know what I mean, a very Kentucky Wildcat kind of lady. She's actually a UK alum. Go Big Blue. Yeah, she actually went to Kentucky, and she's a Kentucky fan. Did you realize Kentucky actually has fans who went to school there? Hard to believe. I'm talking for basketball. That's kind of like Alabama. They're the Alabama of college basketball. I was actually very extremely attached to a person one time who, (laughs) believe it or not, they were an Alabama fan, and they attended and actually got a degree from this place called the University of Alabama. They, they they actually do exist, alumni of these places. But Judd, who was hospitalized back in February, the UK alum, after sustaining these severe injuries from the fall, she did this while she was going through a rainforest there in the DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. And over the weekend, Ashley Judd announcing a major milestone on her road to recovery telling fans she managed to walk uphill on uneven surfaces for an hour confidently. Today, as she put out there on social media, today, five months and three weeks after the accident in the Congolese rainforest, I walked again, and in what fashion? And she even included pictures of a recent hike in Switzerland. So she's still going globetrotting. Ashley Judd, I don't know if I were her. I think I'd go back to Mama. And if she doesn't go back to Mama and get some help from Naomi and get her back to speed, I got a couple of words for Ashley Judd that I would share with her Mama, Naomi. I'd say, Ashley, listen up. And then I'd look over to Naomi and I'd say, Mama, she's crazy. <laughs> Love that one. That's a good song from Winona, the older sister of Ashley Judd. So, yeah, Ashley Judd, 53 years old, 
these days and still looking amazing. And congratulations to her and an ugly, ugly spell that she had and, and terrible accident that she's recovering from. Another starlet with a Nashville slash country music connection is Marin Morris. And although Marin Morris hasn't necessarily had a accident in Africa that sidelined her, she has had some medical issues and their medical issues for the best of reasons as Marin Morris, the singer behind my church and more the Texas native is now performing in concert for the first time in 16 months. And that's because Marin Morris had a baby. She had a baby in the last year. She had a great, beautiful son named Hayes born in March of 2020 that she had with her husband, a fellow singer-songwriter, Ryan Hurd. And they had this baby back in March of last year. That was baby came out, baby Hayes, right when COVID-19 really got going. So all of her concerts ended up being canceled. And there was no Nashville Music Fest of 2020 or 2021. And it looks like Marin Morris is back up and going. In fact, if you are in the Nashville area and you got time, she's actually performing today. And she's performing at a charity event for Together Feeding Nashville, benefiting Feeding Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee. And that's today. And then on September 25th, Marin Morris is going to perform as part of the Pilgrimage Music and Cultural Festival. And that's right there in Williamson County in Franklin, Tennessee. That's later on. But our first show in 16 months. And that's today. Marin Morris performing at a benefit concert. She's put out on her social media account, at Marin Morris. This was our first show in 16 months. Our band had a few babies, a couple of side projects, and some soul-searching in between. But D-A-M blank, it feels good to be back in business. (laughs) Congratulations. And what a great start she had. I remember when My Church, that debut album, came out on the Capitol imprint. I think that's what it was on. I had a friend of mine who knew that I often received music from record companies. I still do. I've been part of the country music industry and have received thousands and thousands of albums and have written about all these albums for several decades now. And so I ended up getting an advanced copy of that debut called Hero from Marin Morris. And that album had 80s Mercedes and another couple of songs that were somewhat big hits for her but nothing like that debut and if i'm able to pull this up here we're going to go to break with a little bit of that debut from Marin morris but what a fantastic texan and a fantastic southerner and again back on stage today first time in well over a year at a benefit in music city usa way to go Marin morris this is Talk with a Southern accent. We will be right back. We're going to take you to Texas, Marin Morris's home state. And when we come back, we're going to be visiting. Well, actually, we're going to take a little bit of a breather from talking barbecue. But later on, we're going to be talking with the proprietor, the pitmaster of Davila's Barbecue. And that is in Seguin, Texas. But right after this break, we're going to squeeze in a little Southern sports information before we turn our attention to barbecue. Y'all okay with that? So Marin, take us to break. More of the Y'all Show is coming up. 
turn up the dial Can I get a hallelujah Can I get an amen Feels like the Holy Ghost running through ya When I play the highway FM I find my soul revival Singing every single verse Yeah, I guess that's my church When Hank brings the sun If you like working with numbers and helping people, you might have tax pro potential. You could turn your passion for tax prep and helping people into a career with us. Income tax classes start September the 1st at Dyersburg, Humboldt, Martin, Union City, and Ripley offices. For more information, call 731-285-0749. That's 731-285-0749. You could be a tax pro. Century 21 Realty, led by John Murray Haltham and Sandra Carter, offers you the most diverse team of experienced real estate agents helping West Tennessee sell their homes quickly for top dollar. Whether you are selling or buying a home, need commercial real estate, or are looking to find the perfect rental, the Century 21 team will assist you with award-winning J.D. Power five-star customer service. Take action now. Call 668-7700 or go to actionrealty.c21.com. This is WTJS, Alamo, Jackson, News Talk, West Tennessee. What you want, and she says, uh, I, I don't know. I get nervous. Man, I get nervous. I'm a nervous man, and I tremble all in my bones. Thank you for sharing that with us. Y'all talk with a Southern accent back here with a little Southern sports news before we talk barbecue to wrap up this second hour of our conversation about Dixie and looking at the college football front. An update from Baton Rouge as quarterback Miles Brennan of the LSU Tigers has undergone surgery for a left arm injury, according to a post he put out today. And I love what Miles Brennan had to say. Oh, he's already my favorite SEC quarterback. Go, Miles, go. Here's what Miles Brennan put out. Surgery went well. Thank y'all for all the prayers. God's got me. Miles Brennan putting that out this this day after he went into surgery for a left arm injury. Now, according to a statement from LSU put out on Monday, they called it a severe injury but didn't reveal any more details it is believed that Brennan broke his arm. A timeline for Miles Brennan's return from the injury to his non-throwing arm is unclear. I didn't realize it was non-throwing, so best of luck to this guy who began last season as LSU's starter, threw for 11 touchdowns in three games before an abdominal injury ended his season. 
He is a fourth-year junior, Miles Brennan, and now Ed Orgeron making him, I guess, giving him an opportunity to come back, assuming everything continues to heal. And looks like right now LSU possibly could go to their backup quarterback, Johnson, as the starting quarterback for LSU when they get ready to start the 2021 campaign at UCLA, Max Johnson. That name should sound familiar. He is the son of former NFL quarterback Brad Johnson. I think Johnson was with the Vikings for quite some time. And he came on late last season as a freshman and helped lead the Tigers to a 2-0 record. I guess he was the quarterback when they beat the Mississippi Land Sharks there at Tiger Stadium to wrap up the campaign of 2020. Because I think their other game got COVIDed out there toward the end of the season. But right now, the, the attention today for Miles Brennan, LSU's quarterback, as he's undergone surgery and, again, his famous words, thank y'all for all the prayers. Appreciate that. To some college conference news. And it's going to spin out of control real quick here after Texas and Oklahoma both are SEC bound. And it looks like a story is out where the Big 12 and the Pac-12 the commissioners of those two conferences are meeting to discuss a potential strategic partnership between those two. As Bob Bowlesby of the Big 12 and George Klavikoff of the Big of the Pac-12, now he's a newcomer. He's a guy who I think worked in Vegas prior to becoming the Pac-12 commissioner. They're meeting to discuss the viability of a partnership between these two conferences, and we'll find out what happens. What would the Big 12 be like without – their two big battleships, Texas and Oklahoma, leading the way, skippering the fleet, if you will. I don't think it's all that great. And they better do something or else this conference is going to dissipate rather quickly. Here's another conference in the news today, the Ohio Valley Conference. The second time today we've talked about the OVC, the Brentwood, Tennessee-based conference that has members like UT Martin, the Skyhawks. It's got it's got SEMO, uh, Southeast Missouri. It's got – I'm having to be careful with who all they've got because that's why they're in the news today. <laughs> the Ohio Valley Conference has sued Eastern Kentucky, the Colonels, and the conference has also sued the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State contending that those two schools have not paid a million dollars in exit fees after both schools left the OVC on July 1st, and they're taking off with the bright lights of the Atlantic Sun Conference, which is firing up a college football schedule and a college football conference here. And it's got not only Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State in this upstart A-Sun football It's going to have Kennesaw State. It's going to have a team that's way out of the footprint of this A-Sun. The UCA Bears, Central Arkansas, is going to be part of this new A-Sun. But sure enough, Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks, they've joined the A-Sun and now being sued because they're walking out without paying their exit fees. Commissioner Beth DeBouch of the OVC said both schools benefited from being OVC members and expects them to do the right thing by fulfilling contractual obligations. 
She said league presidents regret filing the suit, but called it necessary to enforce payment. Come on, you're going to leave the conference and not pay your exit fee of a million dollars for each. That's that's part of the, the factor when you decide to, to divorce in conference athletics. you got to pay a penalty. And I know these are small schools, but if they don't have the money to go join the A-Sun, they shouldn't be leaving the OVC. And they really shouldn't be leaving the OVC anyway. I don't know what the thinking was on A-Sun by joining this FCS conference. It's a conference that's sprinkled with locations all over the southeast, I'm talking about way apart from each other in some cases. And if you know anything about FCS football, and I know a lot about FCS football, those conferences that are essentially bus leagues where they go to every game on a bus seem to be a lot better off because these small schools just don't have the funds to put players on planes and fly them all over the country unless they're playing money games against the big boys, and that helps pay the bills. But today, again, the Ohio Valley Conference getting in the plaintiff's chair and going after their two programs that are leaving them at the altar, EKU and the Gamecocks of JSU. And no offense, since they're divorcing you, OVC, I guess I could share a little Jacksonville State humor as we get ready to wrap up our sports report. So a couple of years ago, I got to be friends with a with a JSU, Jacksonville State University alumnus. He was from right there. I think he was from Arab, Alabama. Maybe he was from Boaz. Actually, he was from Boaz. My apologies, Arab. Just around the corner from you there is Boaz. But this guy told me that – he went to Jacksonville State University, JSU. But since he went there, he had the right to say this. He said, JSU doesn't stand for Jacksonville State University. I said, what? What, what does it stand for? He said, it stood for just show up. Meaning that if you just show up, they're just going to give you a diploma and get you on out of there. Hey, that sounds like a good plan. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Remember, one of their leaders of that university is an alumnus, their most famous alumnus, Randy Owen of the group Alabama. How about that? Y'all, talk with a Southern accent. We're going to talk barbecue after this. Stay tuned. I was a young troubadour when I rode in on a 
the Y'all Show, talk with a southern accent. And I'm John Rawl, and we're going to talk barbecue, we're going to talk Texas, and we're going to have a fantastic conversation with a guy that knows a lot about barbecue and a lot about the Vaquero lifestyle, the Texas Cowboys, if you will. And that's our friend from Davila's Barbecue in Seguin, Texas, Adrian Davila is on with us now to talk about this rich tradition in this community not far from San Antonio. There's a shot of the outside of the building, and here on the Y'all Show, we are glad to have you back here on this program that loves to dive into all things barbecue in the South. I'm John Rawl, and let's go to the outskirts of San Antonio, about 20, 30 minutes east of there on Interstate 10, headed toward Houston, you'll find Davila's Barbecue and Adrian of that great establishment, a third generation pitmaster, is on with us right now. Hello, welcome to the Y'all Show. Hey guys, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Yes. The Y'all Show. Yes. All the way from the little town of Seguin, right outside of San Antonio, about an hour south of Austin, Texas. You're in a barbecue junction right there on Interstate 10, and we're going to have a great time talking to you and your family's tradition, and y'all do things a little bit different there at Davila's in Seguin, Texas, and we're going to find out a lot more as we go through a few minutes of conversation with Adrian. So first of all, let's talk about the guy right there on your shirt, your grandfather, Raul, who got this thing going back in 1959. I'm looking at the cameras going one way, my fingers going the other way. Yeah. Yes, my grandfather is on the logo. I like to say that we sort of um, Colonel Sanders, you know, so to speak. Uh, you know, you know, uh, not yet elderly man, a grandfatherly figure, watching over his barbecue, creating these things. You know, and being so experienced at that point in his life, who wanted to capture him in that moment and. And really, like, live the essence of, of that, of us creating. When he started, he gets to look over at us at the barbecue every single day. Yeah. Well, again, we'll show the logo a little bit closer there. It's a, it's a good logo. I like it. And I guess you've got that on products people can walk in there and walk out with. Yeah, you know, we force our T-shirts and hats, and uh, we have a barbecue rub that's uh, thankfully, on HEV shows on all over the all over the state of Texas, we have our barbecue sauce bottled with spicy or our original. Definitely have the products. We have a cookbook also that you can walk in the store and pick it up, or you can order most all of those things online. Even mm-hmm. our barbecue itself on Gold Belly. Well, we're going to go through the menu a little bit later, but right now, again, this is a third generation pitmaster we're talking to in Adrian today, his grandfather Raul, his father Ed, and now he himself keeping that tradition going in Seguin, Texas with Davila's Barbecue. And one of the cool things, and I'm going to go back to this photo here, if you don't mind, of the outside of the building. Is this the original building from 1959? No, this building we moved into in 1973. Okay. Uh, The building was built in the 50s or about 1960, so that the building itself is at least 80 years old. Uh, but we were catty corner in an old uh, refurbished schoolhouse, and for the pit outside and a few tables inside, and you know life was pretty simple. And, uh, my my grandparents and my father and his 
siblings lived in the back room of the restaurant. I see. Yeah. So humble beginnings are definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That's sometimes the secret ingredient there. Adrian and we're going to show off the barbecue and more but before we get into more of the food aspect your company there has a blend of not only the great Texas barbecue but your own family ancestry as I think y'all are, are part of the vaquero tradition which comes from Spain into Mexico and then into Texas and essentially if you don't know what what that word means if you're not a Texan it's a Texas or it's a, it's a Mexican Spanish cowboy y'all are a bunch of cowboys well, you know, it would be, you know, Texas or Texas, which originally means um, the friendly people from the Native American. Uh, our style would, if you know, were to wrap it all, it would be a Tejano style, mm -hmm. which definitely a meld of Mexican, European, and even sometimes African influences. But the things that we barbecued, if you want to go down to uh, bring it up to modern times, is like um, eating the, all of the animal. You know, my grandfather, you know, we were selling brisket ribs, sausage, traditional, per se, American barbecue at the front of the house, but grandfather was always barbecuing the whole head. The lengwab, which was the buzz, you know, those sort of things, which, if you really think about it, just utilizing the whole animal. That's what the paquetos were about, of course, utilizing everything around them, all the resources to cook with, which is whatever they found and foraged. And a lot of times it wasn't necessarily cheap. That was their, uh, their merchant. So, you know, but really, yeah, but I think the most problem, father and I, really trying to make you uh, utilize the things around us, which definitely is in that paquetto position. I see. Making all right, we're talking with Adrian Davila here. He is the third-generation pitmaster at Davila's Barbecue, and that is in Seguin, Texas. And if you have a chance to stop by, just off of Interstate 10 is where you'll find his location outside of San Antonio, Texas. We're going to go through this tremendous menu in a moment here as we go through our great visit of barbecue here on the Y'all Show a show that loves to put barbecue as much as we possibly can front and center. And when you go into Adrian's place there, you'll find all kinds of goodies like that right there, what we're seeing on the screen there. And I want you, for just a few minutes, one of the more famous things that Davila's Barbecue is known for is your sausage, which it looks like y'all go through your big supply of sausage every two days. How did this tradition start? And tell me a little bit more about sausage, because Adrian, I've never seen, or I have ne never sausage a thing. You know, it's so funny to even to hear that and uh, to think of where we, you know, where I knew what, you know, what barbecue places from Mexico younger uh, was sausage. Literally, Lockhart, Gonzalez, Elgin, all of those places was all about the sausage, you know. Before, you know, recent times, Aaron Franklin making the brisket, you know, this whole thing, you know, superstar. That's what all things are measured by. And you make way now up north. I just returned from New York City and of course, the brisket popular there. 
but you know all things were measured by sausage when you your recipe and where it came from and uh, you know those had german uh spanish um Czech influence all meeting here in texas i guess to go back to europe well, my grandfather and his brother adolf uh, worked at the booming lager plant hmm. meat plant where they processed sausage and different meat that's where he learned uh, his habit. and so you take you know, all those recipes knowledge flowing organically back in the day this is our version of it and it's an all beef product and you know i'll go belly again and we've been making it for like 65 years anyway with a natural casing smoking in the house for about five hours you know so it's, it's our next day it's our uh, you know, it's our signature. It's our signature item. Again, you know, before things were were measured always by brisket. Uh, I would say less than the guest, less than about ten percent of your you know day to day barbecue. All right, we're talking again with Adrian. Adrian, if you could do me a small favor, there's a chance that we're getting a little feedback on your end. So if you have the opportunity, real quick, to turn your volume down. If that is an option for you, I'm going to give you that opportunity to turn your volume down. While I tell people about your website, it is DavilasBBQ.com on the internet. And that's spelled D-A-V-I-L-A. And you have an S in there. Yes, DavilasBBQ.com is how this is found on the World Wide Web. And if you happen to be passing through Seguin, Texas, they're located at 418 West Kingsbury Street. And I haven't cruised through Seguin in the last couple of decades. So where would we find you? What's a land? I guess you probably are the landmark, but what would people know? Where would people find you, Adrian? <coughs> you know, right up by H10, uh, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to get of one or two. I think it's 610 or exit 606. But we're right next to a big water tower. That's the game right on it. Uh, huh. You know, at the deep south, those are those are uh, those are our landmarks. You know, we used to have like the football teams on the water towers and all those things. There's a big water tower. This game, Texas. I'm looking right at it. <laughs> or the, uh, in small towns, uh, Texas, which you won't really find very much. There's actually a, a park called DDT for families, and they have a roller coaster. <laughs> there's a little roller coaster right right next to it. So, you know, big city, it's again, you got a roller coaster and a water tower. We'll be right next to that. And don't forget about Davos right there, too, in Seguin, Texas. So, cancel the plans to Disney World, y'all. It's Seguin. <laughs> it's where we're headed to. And you know what? We're going to learn more about what you got on the menu. Let's take a quick break, Adrian, and come right back. By the way, I think we're good to go much better with our audio with that little adjustment there. So, got some smart people there and it's a game that can fix technical problems uh, when they <laughs> pop up. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back, and we're going to walk through this tremendous menu that Adrian and the staff there at Dobla's Barbecue has lined up. And you're not going to, well, let me just put it this way. You make it very difficult for people like me that already have a hard enough time picking what I want when I go to a restaurant because you got a little bit of think of everything from catfish to barbecue to sausage and so much more. I saw some sweet stuff on the menu too. And we're gonna talk about all sure. of that with 
Yeah, we're going to talk about it all with Adrian, and we're going to do that right after this. So stay tuned. More of the Y'all Show is coming right up. <laughs> no, I, I'm much more, you know, into pleasing you with my food than any altercation. But, you, know, you know, I try to stay in shape, you know. But, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, but, it looks yeah. like you're doing a good job. It looks like you're staying in shape helps you put out beautiful <laughs> dishes, which that's another thing. What are we looking at there? Because that's another trademark of Davila's. You know, it really has become, you know, one of the, those things that draw people from, you know, all, all parts of, of, you know, of America, per se. We've talked to people from Oregon, or it was on a Man Fire Food on the cooking channels, our lamb barbacoa, which uh, barbacoa in, in Texas or started, you know, it's nothing new to us. It's what we've, you know, eaten. It's, it's a staple here in South Texas, but it's typically beef head, right? Cabeza de vaca. Uh, in Mexico, it's way more prominently lamb. You know, um, <clears throat> lamb is much more, uh, it's more cost-effective and more practical. So if you order barbacoa in Mexico, it's going to be lamb. And that's what we serve as our lamb barbacoa, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, we cook in the traditional way. We make our own adobo. Um, it's supposed to just like salt and pepper, you know, uh, it's with chile and garlic and cinnamon and you know, all kind of different spices, and we roast them, and we marinate the meat in that, and it really draws a lot of that flavor. So, picks up the flavor from the chile marinade, wrap it in maguey leaves, and then now uh, we will put it in the ground, 
for like four to seven, six to eight hours, sorry, until that meat is fall off the bone. Tinder is basically like steam, smoking it. And so, you know, boom, match that with a good corn tortilla, salsa, onion, tomato, I mean, onion, cilantro, a little bit of the salsa, and, you know, it, it's a win-win for everybody. It is a win-win. It's a win-win for everybody when you go see our barbecue cowboy. Speaking of that name and that nickname, that's actually kind of the name of your book that you put out a few years ago. It's called Cowboy Barbecue Fire and Smoke from the original Texas Vaqueros. And you wrote that, came out a couple years ago. You went on a little bit of a book tour and more. And how about how about Adrian, the author? And we need another read from you. Oh, for sure. You know, I'm, I'm trying to conceptualize what that is. You know, uh, you know what the ne- what's next, right? What the next book it was such an adventure, such a challenge, uh, but it was absolutely the most gratifying uh, thing I've done professionally in my uh, professional life. For, for, for to say, uh, it was the most difficult and complicated. <clears throat> and these were things that happened before when I was doing the research for it. Before, like we say, uh, twenty three and Me and Answer to Mom were such a common household name. So I literally went to Avila, Spain. Uh, researching my family and eating the foods, finding my family armistice uh, in the city of Avila, Spain, and reading about the Davilas. And then the more I backtracked and found like my family were also silver miners and horse traders, and how they dealt, obviously, horse traders are going to deal with the vaqueros that came to earth, you know, um, all of the cattle that the missions had come with also in the Spanish Inquisition. And so all of this, like, trail up to the day where we live on a ranch, you know, I found everything, the storyline right under the, uh, you know, who were the original cowboys, uh, which is a really different picture, I think. We tend to, because of imagery and movies and all those things, you know, think of, you know, cowboys, of, you know, battling with Indians and, and um, like, riding in these carriages along the West. Well, those were settlers. Those were cowboys. cowboys lived on the range. They didn't have homes to go to. They didn't have kids. They lived and herded these animals, these you know herds across the plains, you know hundreds of miles. So they were truly shepherds um, uh, with these animals. So they were basically living a nomadic lifestyle, which is a lot different. Uh, so you know, really kind of un- that story underlying even my family and up to this modern day, you know, working with cattle and growing them as being a full part of that process is, uh, you know, cowboy barbecue. Well, you're, again, doing a fantastic job as Adrian, part of a family effort there, started by his grandfather, Raul, his dad, of course, he's still right there alongside him when he's able to, and Adrian keeping the tradition, and it looks like you're also enlisting other help and kind of showing off that Texas cowboy look that y'all have. Tell me here on the Y'all Show, if you don't mind, uh, who is that young lady? <laughs> that beautiful young lady's my wife. Um, definitely the best decision I ever made. She is a third generation rancher. Uh, her grandfather and her father uh, were longhorn ranchers back uh, in the day. And um, so she grew up in that world. And about 10 years ago, we met. And uh, three years ago, here and uh, August 25th. And we will have been married, and so we continue the tradition of raising and breeding cattle on, on the beautiful ranch that 
her father, uh, bless his soul, left us uh, to maintain and take care of and really, again, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle also of maintaining land and animals and cultivating, you know, making the most of that land. And those are really things that um, obviously which reach way back, you know, uh, to the origins of mankind. And to be able to be a part of that is really a beautiful thing. Yes. Sarah, he doesn't look like a rancher. What much uh, more from New York to LA, but she's definitely that third generation country girl from Texas. All right, well, that's a great photo. It looks like y'all were at some kind of barbecue competition. Is that something y'all do? Yeah, that, uh, you know, I'm not so much uh, for the competitions that was, but I am for like fundraising, and uh, that was a charitable event that uh, a bunch of chefs in San Antonio uh, got together and cooked. Uh, for for the public to come and, and they donated the proceeds to a charity and that we did of course we did barbacoa that day we okay. did the whole heads because we're in South Texas and you know really bring those out and you think that people aren't really going to be so much with that imagery because it's pretty dramatic people love it nowadays they want to see where their food come from comes from and that it has true origins and uh, you know that's a really popular thing now the barbacoa. Adrian, you're not far from San Marcos, Texas also. That's a uh, community just up the road from you. And since you're an authentic cowboy from Texas, i, I got to ask, has George Strait popped into your restaurant before? <laughs> uh, you know, I think my dad has something to say about that. You know, I think he claims that long, long time ago at the bus stop or something. I love George Strait, but love him, you know. To come into the restaurant in San beautiful community of San Marcos is about 20 minutes up the road. Uh, yeah, so we do have a lot of uh, supporters from San Marcos, uh, but I'm not quite sure George made it by. Oh, George, he's missing out. Up. He needs to get down there and see y'all because again, y'all been around since 1959. Congratulations yeah. on Thank such you. a long tradition. Let's dive into the menu. And as I warned people before, y'all have gone to no cheapening of the menu when you came out with this thing. It's got lots and lots of options. Again, for the people like me who already have enough problems when they go into a establishment, uh, I'm just going to have to come spend a couple of months, it looks like, going through all your different items. Yeah, you know, you could really run the gauntlet um, on our on our menu. It's, you know, we have some what I term deem as butcher block barbecue Come in, get it by the slice. You know that, like, you know, well, very, very well known tray of barbecue that you displayed. You know, you have your brisket, your ribs, and your mix, and your sides, and you assemble it and customize it exactly how you want it. That's the perfect bite, right? But, you know, the barbecue world, which has absolutely exploded these last three to five years, you know, um, I think food television had a lot to do with the internet, obviously. Had everything to do with it, um, but Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, this really drives now the way people eat and consume things. What's popular, you know? So, like our barbecue frito pie, um, our brisket burger, you know, Texas Monthly wrote about. The frito pie was on Vampire Food, the cooking channel, and you know, all these years, uh, these our brisket grilled cheese again. You know, that's notoriety. You know, this is just comfort food that some was just like kind of thrown together, food truck items. But 
after all this time, like you said, since 1959, these brand new items are what makes it on, you know, these uh, these platforms, right, that gain all this popularity all of a sudden, and now they're at the Lamb Tacos, you know, those do it a thumb, right? But that's one of our most popular items is that people come for, you know, and of course the sausage and, you know, the traditional and the, like, new stuff. It, it's, you know, I think before it would seem a little quirky, you know, be an old establishment and doing these kind of off the offbeat things, but I think they keep people interested now, and I think you know it's what really people look for is sort of you know different ways of uh, presenting it. Well, you have it all right there, and I, I think I'm, I think I have the correct description of this. You have something called the Davila Family Order that's available. Is that a little mixture of a, a lot of the things you're talking about? Yeah, you know. It's a little bit of what you see right there. The Domino family orders a half a chicken, two links of our sausage, a pound of the brisket, two quart sides of any of our sides. You have mac and cheese, you have coleslaw, potato salad, green beans, Spanish rice, pinto beans. Um, you know, you can choose from any of those. Pickles, onion, bread, barbecue sauce, original spicy. You can probably feed six up to eight people. Forty dollars or so out the door, you know that's really you know pretty reasonable thing nowadays. All things considered, where we are and where we've been, and where we've come with pricing and all all, all of those factors included. In order it online, you can pick it up. You know you can have it delivered. You're here locally, and um, you know we're wor working with Gold Belly on really trying to get these family uh, packs and these meal kits available nationwide. And I know your audience is broad so you know you can really look us look us up on goldbelly.com uh you can order a lot of these items you'd be surprised on how much how many uh, items you can get from us um and uh, well, we will be continuing to develop new products and get that family order on there that you speak of yeah you have all these awesome items that you've mentioned we can't let you slide today without talking about some of the items from the sea or the inland waters in this case you've got both shrimp and catfish on your menu yeah you know my dad I, he's still here working every single day um i would say the venture into why there's a barbecue place out of catfish is you know my dad's always been a businessman we all are always trying to think of different ways you know how to how to enhance our our, our business and a very um, catholic community locally here in Seguin, Texas, so uh, during every Lent, which is, you know, encompassing about six, eight weeks over time uh, from February to March going into April to Easter, you know, uh, every Friday, uh, the Catholic, you know, they don't, they don't touch me, and more so back, um, you know, years ago. And so what that would do to a barbecue place, you know, really not what you want, really what you want over that amount of time, so they started selling for a catfish uh, with people who ate catfish during that time developed his own uh, batter and it's really been one of our staple items from you know these last uh, 35 40 years now has to make helping out of course we were all little little kids making that batter and, and you know keeping up we get so busy um with uh, with the catfish and then there came the shrimp and there came the, the sandwiches and you know really mixing it up during lent you know we'll do a you know, a crawfish boil with our sausage, there's corn, and, you know, golf shrimp down the local golf shrimp, and, you know, really just, you know, have fun with it a lot of times, and 
let people speak with what they want. And some people, some of these menu items stick, stay. You know, some come and go seasonally, but um, we really do base a lot of these things on feedback from what uh, from our community around us and what what they like and you know what what's going to work. We're wrapping up our conversation. We're visiting with Adrian Davila, and he's with Davila's Barbecue, Seguin, Texas, here on the Hall Show. And oh, we've had such a good time. We're going to tell you how, if you don't live in Texas, if you are wanting to experience Davila's Barbecue, we've got just the right trick for that. We'll share before we get out of here with you. But Adrian, we can't get out of here without me bragging on some of the great desserts you have there. Yes, of course, you got banana pudding, and you have various pies from the lemon meringue to the coconut meringue got that there but how about this because i'm really intrigued you have there at davila's barbecue in seguin something called big red cake what in the world i'm here on the edge of my seat wanting to know what that is you know it's, it's basically like a white cake um so when then we do our little jello gelatin mix and big red, of course, and then we soak it. Uh, okay, in, hold on, hold on, Adrian. I know you are all about Texas, but a lot of people outside of Texas don't oh, know what yeah. big red is. Yeah, big red is probably you know it, it's Texas it should be Texas national drink. Um, it is our, our soda water that a lot of times is only distributed throughout Texas, so you can find it now in other states. Well, barbecue and big red are synonymous. Uh, barbacoa and big red are synonymous so <laughs> and you know very very sweet beautiful drink so we take it my grandfather and grandmother they always have big red cake in the fridge when we were young kids i don't know where they learned to make it i don't know <laughs> what it was but i think that's how they shut us up and put us to bed you know we had a slice of big red cake before we went to bed and my grandpa they always had it ready in the refrigerator the best thing. So Arkansas what a, is what for better fresh. way to kind of uh, re, you know, bring that into the restaurant was our version of the research and all that of our big red cake. Everybody loved it. It's one of our biggest staples. The white cake, so the big red, pineapple, whipped cream. Love it. Very simple, but it's delicious. And again, Adrian has all that right there at Davila's, and he looks as good as he does there, as he's definitely fit, as he said. And he's got the pretty wife to prove it. So let's wrap up here. If you can't make it to Seguin and eat at Davila's Barbecue in person, and we hope you can one day, you we, also have on your website, davilasbbq.com, ways for online ordering and also mail order. So tell me what, what people can do and experience this barbecue from you. Yeah, you know, online ordering. You can, um, of course, locally get on our website, place to order. Pay for it if you like. Pay for it when you pick up. Drive on through and just you know just pick it up. Which you're feeding a group or you're in a hurry. You know you're that as busy as we are in our lives. Then we kind of help to alleviate that. And then online, if you're you know anywhere all over the United States, uh, we ship to all, all 50 states. Now I don't know if it goes to Puerto Rico, but I, I know it goes to Hawaii and Alaska. Um, so through goldbelly.com, you can order brisket, ribs, lamb ribs, sausage. You know, there's several packs of ways of doing it. Our brisket burger patties are on there, uh, several items. And we're going to continue to offer more products on that. But, you know, through the pandemic and just in general with 
Amazon and all the, the way we operate, people really continue to uh, order online more and more. So it's uh, really become something very commonplace now with uh, the way we, you know, consume things. And so, yeah, goldbelly.com or our website, dollarbarbecue.com. And the website, again, the address is D-A-V-I-L-A-S-B-B-Q.com. And you can feel like you're right there in Seguin, even if you're on the other side of the Chattahoochee River. You can get that taste <laughs> of the great Texas barbecue available. Done in the way that only the Davila family could do it, blending their both Spanish and Mexican heritage and Texas heritage also thrown in there. And Adrian, the third generation pitmaster, on with us here today to tell us about his family's great restaurant. And Adrian, we can't thank you enough, and we certainly wish you all the best and look forward for everybody experiencing your great cue. It's great to be here. Super grateful. Always love talking about, you know, uh, barbecue and what we do. It's what we do for our living. It's what we do as an identity at this point. You know, it's our heritage. So it you know, goes way beyond food. So always happy to talk about it. Thanks for having me. And there's a lot of us out here, Adrian, that are quite envious. So oh, far from it. Yeah. yeah. I had to show you the pits in the morning and the sweat and having to go out there is definitely not a glamorous thing. But and that's one one thing a robot or a computer probably will never be able to replace. So thank goodness there's going to be someone like an Adrian Davila, hopefully cooking up good barbecue for many, many centuries to come. Thank, thank you very you. much. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for All having right. me. All right, everybody. DavilasBBQ.com is the way for y'all to get in touch with Adrian and company. More of the show that's all about the South is headed your way. Stay tuned. And we are back for one more hour of discussion about Dixie. Hello, I'm John Rawl, and this is the All Show. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all. Our website is the South's homepage. It's y'all.com. Four brilliant little characters on your keyboard. Y-A-L-L.com. Go there and check it out as we've got great interviews We've got great video interviews, including the fellow that was just on here with me, Adrian Davila of Davila's Barbecue in Seguin, Texas. You can go there to y'all.com and watch that interview that I just did with Adrian in case you missed any of it. And you can see the big guy. And I mean big from a physical standpoint. As I said in that interview, I don't think Adrian's the kind of guy you want to take on in a in a kerfuffle. He would likely come out on top. But he comes out on top with us regardless because he does an unbelievable job with his barbecue. And here at the Y'all Show, we enjoyed talking to him. Hopefully, you all enjoyed listening to us talk about barbecue Texas style with Adrian and Davila's Barbecue in Seguin, Texas. This is the final hour of this Tuesday Y'all Show. 
coming up here in this hour, we're going to tell you about the Missouri Tigers, M-I-Z-Z-O-U. As Missouri is our latest stop on our tour across the southeast, we'll let you know in this hour about the university itself, the enrollment, some of the famous alumni of MU, and we'll also talk about some of those traditions, traditions that include that crazy thing that I keep doing on today's Y'all Show, M-I-Z. I'm here yelling at the Dixie Cat. Hey, M-I-Z. I can't hear you. Z-O-U. Z-O-U. Yep, yep. We got at least one fan here that's going to help us out here. As we're going to talk Missouri football and traditions and more, that's coming up later this hour. We also have Melissa Rhodes. She's got a southern accent on the arts and entertainment world. And, boy, it's going to be fun to hear what she's got to report on. That plus more sports talk here in this final hour. We begin this last hour of y'all with a look at headlines across the southeast. And we could have a war between the states and Joe Biden. That looks like that could be a possibility as the president is now telling Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis of Florida to help stop COVID-19 or, quote, get out of the way. The Republican governors of Texas and Florida are standing firm against blocking mask mandates and other mitigation strategies as the Delta variant variant of COVID-19, the cases soaring across the southeast. And again, today, the governor's getting a message from the chief executive of the country, Joe Biden, telling them to get out of the way. As Biden said, just two states, Florida and Texas, account for one-third of all new COVID-19 cases in the entire country. Just two states. Well, news alert, Joe Biden. Those two states are some of the more populated states in the entire country, not necessarily defending them. But, yeah, you're going to have more cases likely in Florida and Texas compared to Rhode Island or Delaware, where you're from, Joe. Uh, The president was referencing the number of new cases in those two states that have been surging. There have been, in Texas, 64,000-plus cases in the last week. Florida has had over 123,000 cases of COVID-19 reported. And now these Republican governors, DeSantis and Abbott of Texas, they have vowed against further mitigation efforts like universal masking, vaccine mandates, or implementing shutdowns that restrict businesses despite the highly transmissible Delta variant of the virus continuing to surge across the country. And I was having a discussion earlier today about COVID and more. We got the Delta variant and I hope it goes away quickly. I think there's another variant out there already. Are we just going to keep seeing these evolutions of COVID go on and on and on and on? Are, are we at that point? It's really out of this world what's going on with COVID. And we thought a year ago this would be behind us by now, but it's still causing problems. And we're seeing states here this week like Louisiana put out mask mandates for indoors across the Pelican State and more cities and communities and even some states in the country at least are following John Bell Edwards of Louisiana's lead on a mask mandate. But 
today from the White House, Joe Biden, some strong words against Texas and Florida. Remember, it was just a few months ago that President Biden called the thinking of how Texas was handling the lifting of masks. He may not have even been president. He might have been a candidate at that time. He called Texas Neanderthal thinking when they decided to start relaxing some of the COVID-19 rules. And Mississippi followed right in with that same policy. But today, Biden up against Texas and Florida. An update on a horrible shooting from the last couple of days in South Carolina. A suspect in a shooting that left three dead in the Palmetto State. This suspect has now been found at a hotel in Florida. As the suspect has been arrested, again charged in the killing of three people in Greenwood County, South Carolina. And he hopped on a plane after the shootings and flew to Florida, but luckily was arrested at a hotel in Florida. The sheriff of Greenwood County, South Carolina, Dennis Kelly, said a man and two women were killed in the shootings Monday afternoon inside their Greenwood County, South Carolina home. And 36-year-old Jeffrey David Powell is alleged to have killed them and, again, got on a plane, went to Florida, and got arrested at a hotel in Jacksonville. The sheriff says the victims, they all knew Powell, but deputies are trying to figure out exactly what led to the killings. A child was also hurt but managed to get out of the home and go to a neighbor to call 911. But a man and two women killed Monday, and the suspect that is alleged to have killed them now in custody after being arrested in a Jacksonville, Florida hotel. A sad story coming from the state of Mississippi. A police chief there has been killed in a car crash just one day after retiring. And this is in Bruce, Mississippi. That's on the north end of Calhoun County where they have the Sawmill Festival each year there in Bruce, Mississippi. And the one-day retired police chief, Tony Sockwell, died at the age of 59 when he was heading the day after he retired north in his pickup truck and it crossed a center line right off the highway and struck a tree. That according to the Mississippi Highway Patrol. But it was a crash right there in his native Calhoun County, Mississippi. And the brand new retiree, one day retired from his job as the police chief of the Bruce, Mississippi Police Department, Tony Sockwell, dying in a car crash earlier this week. An update on the bear in the East Tennessee mountains that killed a teen or that attacked a teen in the Great Smoky Mountains. This bear has now been killed as it actually uh, charged a couple of National Park Rangers outside of Gatlinburg. And this happened in the backcountry campsite 29 in the Cosby section of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And this big old bear which had attacked a teenager just the other day, and rangers went in to maybe, I won't say euthanize it, but to get it evaluated why it did that. Rangers were attacked by this bear, or it charged them, and they ended up having to kill this bear earlier this week in East Tennessee.
a strange but true story here today on this Tuesday Y'all Show. How about Frontier Airlines? Employees of that airline have been suspended. But I'm not sure that they didn't do the right thing. They had an out-of-control passenger on a flight from Philadelphia to Miami. And videos which are showing what happened on this Frontier Airlines flight, videos capture a male passenger that's having a meltdown, and this meltdown escalated to him getting duct taped to his seat for the remainder of the trip. And now these Frontier Airline employees are being disciplined for what they did to duct tape the man to his seat. I'm not sure if you're aware of some of the rules the FAA has for unruly passengers, but I think it's still the case that if you act up on a flight or even on an Amtrak train or any kind of federal-type transportation, they mean business. And I know on an Amtrak train, they'll stop the train right there on the track if there's any kind of problem, and they'll come get your tail and take you to jail right there, even if you're in the middle of the woods the train stops now you can't really stop on a dime if you're in a plane but there have been cases where the planes had to go do an emergency landing this particular duct tape incident didn't lead to a sudden landing which was probably good for the rest of the crew but yeah the crew there duct taping the unruly passenger and now they're being suspended According to a Miami-Dade police report, the passenger, 22-year-old Maxwell Berry, sounds like an actor's name, doesn't it? He had just finished two cocktails and wanted to order another round, and the Norwalk, Ohio man, leave it up to a darn northerner, brushed his empty cup against a female flight attendant's backside (coughs) inappropriately, according to police. The victim told Barry, don't touch me, according to the report. And then he went on to spill the third drink on his shirt, went to the bathroom, came out topless. A crew member told him to put a shirt, put his shirt back on and helped him retrieve one of his carry-on bags. Then Mr. Barry is alleged to have walked around the plane for 15 minutes chatting with a different female flight attendant before groping her breast, according to the report. Then a male colleague eventually stepped in to deal with the situation, which turned violent and ended up where the guy shouted out a few profanities. You knew that was coming. But uh, in the end, the crew duct tapes him to a seat. How about Frontier Airlines having duct tape on the flight? That's pretty smart. Frankly, we all need a little duct tape somewhere nearby because that's got to be one of the greatest inventions man's ever had oh it's august and guess what hurricane season is right here and watching the weather forecast the national hurricane center is watching a disturbance in the eastern atlantic so be warned be warned the hurricane center on tuesday monitoring two tropical waves in the far eastern atlantic near the west coast of africa both are no immediate threat to the United States and to the South, but they also could develop low chances of development so far, according to the National Hurricane Center. So looking at maybe if either one of these 
get strength and move on toward, let's say, the Caribbean over a week from now, they could be hitting somewhere. The first wave that was spotted was located about 100 miles south of Praia. That's in the Cabo Verde Islands, way out in the Atlantic Ocean. So still a ways to go to find out what will happen. According to one of the experts of the forecast office, it has a 20% chance of becoming a depression in the next five days. So be warned, we're in August. The height of hurricane season usually is late August into September. And right now there could be some action going on in the tropics. How about Raleigh, North Carolina, named after Sir Walter, Walter Raleigh? A story is out at WRAL.com about Raleigh as we know it. Have we been spelling the capital city of North Carolina wrong all these years? It could be writer Heather Lee of WRAL.com points out that back in the 1500s when good old Sir Walter Raleigh was around, his last name was spelled various ways. A Victorian biographer of Sir Walter, William Stebbing, did intensive research into Sir Walter's name in the 1800s. And according to this book from more than 100 years ago, there was no standard of orthography for surnames till the latter part of the 17th century. There's your word of the day, y'all, orthography. Anybody want to take a guess what that means? Let me pull up my handy Merriam-Webster and tell you what orthography, the definition is. It is the conventional spelling system of a language. So how about that fancy word? (laughs) According to that book out in the 19th century, Sir Walter did not keep the same spelling throughout his life, spelling his name differently at different times. So should Raleigh, North Carolina, recognize whatever way it could have been? Well, chances are there might be a push to rename it Raleigh. Raleigh, North Carolina, perhaps spelled different than R-A-L-E-I-G-H, which is the common way it's seen today. And this Raleigh, John Rawl, her host of the Y'all Show, with no E-I-G-H, it's just good old John Rawl, wanting to tell you one more story before we take a little break here on the Y'all Show and tell you about Missouri, the traditions, and the great alumni of the University of Missouri. We're going to do that in the next segment. But lastly here, in our look at some headlines across the southeast, y'all need to get to Corbin, Kentucky, because Corbin has just opened an interactive museum that is dedicated to pinballs. How about that? Jim Brusso has opened up the Pinball Museum in Corbin, Kentucky, There's hundreds of pinball machines for you to go in and see. I assume some of them you might even be able to do a little play in, put a couple of quarters in. There are machines dating all the way back to the 1940s, but there's also a brand new Mandalorian pinball game. And according to the curator and owner of the pinball museum in Corbin, Mr. Brusso says 
all of the games are for sale. So that's a pretty good deal. How many museums that you go see these days put a price tag on everything in the gallery? Well, you can find that in Corbin, Kentucky at the Pinball Museum. And I will say that I was a lucky fella growing up. When I was about 12, 13, somehow, some way, we, uh, we acquired as a family a pinball machine. And I had a, a pinball machine that I really enjoyed playing right next to the pool table. I had a whole bar, <laughs> minus the alcohol, going on at my house. Not a, bad, not a bad life now looking back. We didn't have a swimming pool, but we had a pinball machine. You know, looking back, that, that's kind of red now that I think about it. I, ch- child abuse. <laughs> Y'all talk with the Southern accents coming right back. We're going to put a couple of quarters into this thing and give it a wheel and give it a whirl too. And we'll be right back to talk about Missouri Tiger tradition the University of Missouri, and the fun that you'll find at Faroe Field if you make it to an MU Tigers game. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Stay tuned. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And on our little foray across the southeast we're on a 44 college town tour stopping by great universities across the southeast representing so many wonderful conferences we have told you about teams located in the SWAC the AAC we've told you about teams in the ACC and SEC. And today we're going to keep it in the SEC because we're dropping by Como. Columbia, Missouri is the home of the University of Missouri and the Mizzou Tigers are today's featured school as we tell you here in this segment of the Y'all Show with John Rawl all about the pageantry and famous alumni and just the plain facts about Mizzou and Missouri Right there in Columbia is a beautiful campus, and they put a lot of effort into their facilities in recent years. And here on the Y'all Show, we're taking time out to feature this SECE school here on this Tuesday. Enjoy the Mizzou Tiger Band and the fight song and more. M-I-Z.
Georgia, it was all about M-I-Z and, and, and C-O-U and all the other fun things that make Missouri one of the newest additions to the Southeastern Conference as they, alongside Texas A&M, joined up in the SEC, gosh, some nine years ago as the public land-grant research university located right in the middle of the state, the Show Me State, by the way. It is Missouri's largest university and the flagship of the four-campus University of Missouri system. Mizzou was founded in 1839. It was the first public university west of the Mississippi River, and it is a member of the AAU Association of American Universities, which is a very prestigious group of colleges that you want to try to be in if you are a university. Currently, Mizzou has over 30,000 students enrolled. Of course, here on this show, we kind of fancy ourselves as journalists. And Mizzou is well known for its Missouri School of Journalism, which was founded by Walter Williams in 1908 as the world's first journalism school. And so kudos on that factor. Missouri is led. They've got a provost and a chancellor. Moon Choi is the chancellor of MU right now. Again, this is in Columbia, Missouri, where you'll find the main campus. And what a, a nice little stop right there by the interstate if you're ever traveling between St. Louis and Kansas City. This is about dead center between the two. And they have just really been a fantastic academic experience for so many and even done pretty well on the athletic competition fields of the sports world throughout its history. The Missouri Tigers, today's stop here in this hour, we're telling you about the university and traditions and famous alumni of Mizzou. If you missed out on the X's and O's portion of our Missouri feature, please go into hour one of today's Y'all Show, and you'll hear me talk about Eli Drinkwitz and what his ball club is going to be facing when the 2021 schedule kicks off. I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler. I predicted Mizzou to have somewhere between 8 to 10 wins this year. Their schedule sets up pretty good. If you're a Missouri fan, I would go ahead and make that bowl reservation. I just can't tell you today where you want to go. But Missouri has also put out a very distinguished list of alumni. They've had a lot of alums go on and be famous for things like acting. How about Brad Pitt is a Missouri alum? Also, another actor named Chris Cooper. How about George C. Scott? Did you realize Patton is a Missouri Tiger? How about John Hamm? I didn't know Mr. Mad Men is a Mizzou alum, but yes, he sure is. They also have had a couple of successful People like Pulitzer-nominated author James Lee Burke is a Missouri alum. How about a rock and roll starlet, Cheryl Crow from Kennett, Missouri, in the Boot Hill is where she's from. But she went to Mizzou to be a school teacher and decided to toss the school plans to the side and start writing songs. And she's a Missouri Tiger. Of course, Missouri's also got a whole bunch of successful Missouri folks who've gone on to do well on the athletic fields. They've had people who've done well in Major League Baseball. How about Max Scherzer of the Washington Nationals, who supposedly is getting traded any any second now? 
He is a Missouri alum. From the world of basketball, you have had Norm Stewart. I think Norm Stewart went on to be a head coach at Missouri for some 30-plus years. He got his bachelor's degree back in 1956. John Sunvold, I remember him as he played for the Spurs and the Heat. John Sunvold is a Mizzou alum. How about 2018's number 14 pick overall, Michael Porter Jr., Missouri alumnus. From the world of football, Missouri has turned out players throughout many, many, many decades. And some of those players include guys who've gone on to be great coaches. The former head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, guy who led them to a co-championship in 1990, Bill McCartney, a Missouri alumnus. You also have players who have done quite well in more recent times. How about LaDamian Washington, who was a wide receiver for the 49ers? How about Kellen Winslow, a Hall of Fame player? Kellen Winslow, who played for many, many years in the NFL, one of the greatest tight ends in the sport. And then William Moore, who played for the Falcons, a Missouri alum. Drew Locke. Out there playing now for the Denver Broncos, a Missouri alum. So they've done quite well on the gridiron in the business world. How about the founder, founder of Panda Express, Andrew Churing? He is a master's degree holder from Mizzou, class of 72. Also, you've got another successful person, the founder of Scott Trade, Roger Riney is a Missouri alumnus and the founder of Walmart, Sam Walton. Did y'all realize old Sammy got his degree in 1940, not from Arkansas, but from Mizzou, Sam Walton. See here on the y'all show, we just tell y'all so much interesting and fun stuff. And did you know that at one point in his life, Sam Walton, before he was all about cheap prices, he was out saying M-I-Z, and Z-O-U. Now, on the Missouri campus, some of the traditions there, you'll find the columns. That is all that remains of what was Academic Hall, the first and main building on campus until it burnt in 1892. The columns were originally deemed to be unsafe, but a rally in their defense kept them on campus to becoming an enduring symbol of MU. In fact, it's kind of part of their logo for the university. Both Tiger Walk and Tiger Prowl are symbolic events that take place at the Columns. And one of the cool things when you go to Columbia, you can be on the campus square, if you will, and look, if you look in the right direction, you can see down the street, or maybe there is no street, that's why you can see it, you can see those columns in the distance which lead right to the campus. That's a kind of neat thing. Tiger Walk was established back in 1995. It takes place in August before classes begin to symbolize their entrance into Mizzou. The freshman class meets and walks through the columns toward Jesse Hall. Now, Tiger Prowl is the corresponding event for seniors upon their graduation. Through their studies, though their studies are completed, their Tiger Prowl through the columns does not symbolize their leaving the university. It symbolizes the enduring connections they will have as alumni. How about that special, special part of Missouri and then on campus so many great buildings and more so it's a beautiful spot right there at Missouri now one of the cool things about the University of Missouri in football 
is homecoming. And actually, Missouri is credited as one of the first schools in the country to have homecoming. It started at Mizzou in 1911. And in the director of athletics at that time, Chester Brewer, old Chester, invited alumni to, quote, come home to Columbia for the annual football game against the University of Kansas. And again, today, Mizzou boasts the largest student-run homecoming in the nation, and they got a whole bunch of events that take place there in Columbia each and every homecoming. On campus, on a game day, you're likely to see the beloved mascot, Truman, Truman the Tiger. He was born back in 1986. He's named after Harry S. Truman, 33rd president of the United States, who was from Independence, Missouri. And just the, the whole M-I-Z thing, where the fans will say M-I-Z, the other side says Z-O-U. It is part of the tradition and rich pageantry of Missouri. And if you go to a game at Faroe Field, you will see all of this on display on the football field, on campus, and more. A lot to be proud of if you support the black and MU gold of the University of Missouri and the Tigers today's stop on our tour across the southeast here this hour discussing the traditions and famous alumni of Mizzou. And we have enjoyed telling you all about it. And again, if you want the X and O's portion, and talking about Eli Drinkwitz's program, go into our first hour of today's Y'all Show, and we'll break it all down for you there. And if you missed it, we'll tell you right now, a reminder, you can listen to the Y'all Show when you want to listen. All you got to do is go to our podcast option. We are available at y'all.com, the South's homepage, and then we're on a whole string. I mean, the Missouri journalists of the world are writing stories right now about how y'all.com is taking over. We're on Spotify. Just search for the Y'all Show there. It's free. Great way to catch up with the South. We're also on Apple Podcasts. We're on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Apple Podcasts. And as I said, right there on the homepage of the South, y'all. Join us on Wednesday. We'll be taking our tour to the ACC. Our spotlight school will be the Hokies, Hokie, Hokie High, Virginia Tech. We're going to Blacksburg, and that's on the Wednesday Y'all Show. Up next, Melissa Rhodes drops by. She has a southern accent on the arts, and that's up next. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Progressive Bluegrass Act Yonder Mountain String Band is back on the road. The five-member ensemble has released five critically acclaimed albums, including the newest, Love Ain't Love. 
Now that YMSB is making the rounds, Digital Tour Bus on YouTube has caught up with members Adam and Jacob for some helpful tour tips. You always want to bring enough boxers for uh, underwear, wear whatever you wear, for one week uh, of shows, the maximum number of shows in any given week of the length of tour. You want to bring that number and you want to bring quick dry ones so if you got to wash them, you can wash them in the sink and then they dry quick. What? I don't do that, but you could. Uh, no matter who you are, I think it's important to find a good mandolin luthier before you go out on the road. Yonder Mountain String Band has four stops across the south this month. Entertainment, headlines, and more at y'all.com. All right, how about that? Those fellows were just talking about boxers and briefs, a first on the Y'all Show. Yonder Mountain String Band, got to give them a listen. Hmm? Thank you, Melissa, for that. Hey, we're going to wrap up the Y'all Show. Stay tuned after this break. We've got some great information to pass on. It's an accent about the South. We do it each and every day here. Stay tuned. Wrapping up the Y'all Show, thank you for being a part of our program. Sammy Smith doing her part. And I heard this song earlier today on the radio, and I never really took the opportunity to listen to just how good this song is, the instrumentation, the production quality, and more. I'm just going to shut up and let you keep hearing more of this Oklahoma singer who we lost back in 2005, Sammy Smith, and this big song that Chris Christopherson wrote, the country pop crossover hit, Help It Make Through the Night. great song and i heard that again today and it 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 made me feel good i had if you listen to hour one of today's y'all show i had to make it through last night 
in one of the more difficult nights of my life. If you missed out, my dad is not doing good. He's in the hospital. In fact, right in the middle of doing this show on Monday, I was called by my mother to tell me that they're calling the family in because he's not expected to make it through the night. Help me make it through the night. Well, guess what? Somehow, at least last night, my dad made it through the night, and he's hanging in there. He's in surgery right now. And you can go back to hour one and hear all about it. But uh, hang in there, Clayton. I love you. And and I love that song, too. So, again, what a uh, what a welcome relief to hear that today. And appreciate Sammy Smith, who died in 2005 at the age of 61. She had that one big crossover hit that Chris Christopherson penned back in 1971. A quick look at some sports news before we tell you what's at y'all.com. We mentioned this earlier in the show. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 are currently discussing. They're just at first base. Nothing going quite yet officially. But they're talking about a potential partnership, a, a merger perhaps between those two conferences. Surely, surely not, but they're talking. We're just talking. They can use that as an excuse. So that is some news. How about Charlotte, North Carolina native and Davidson alum Steph Curry? He just got a four-year, $215 million extension to play for the Golden State Warriors. Not a bad payday for the native North Carolinian Dale Curry. His daddy sure didn't get that kind of money when he was knocking down those three-pointers for the Charlotte Hornets. I think he was jersey number... Was he two? I got to think about that. I was a big Dale Curry fan. And we're here at the Y'all Show. I'll tell you a little Curry family history. I don't know if she's still working there, but I got a chance to be on the John Boy and Billy Show many years ago in Charlotte. I went in there to promote Y'all and the Y'all magazine at that time. And the main sort of producer for John Boy and Billy was Dale Curry's sister. And she did the booking she got me on there to be the guest, and it was really full, really cool to be there sitting with John Boy and Billy, two of the great radio hosts of the South. And I had to thank Dale Curry's sister and Steph Curry's aunt. And what is it, Seth Curry, Steph's little brother? So thank you for that. I don't know if she's still working with them or what happened to her. I should remember her name, but... It, it's been more than a decade, forgive me, but how about that connection? Working on the successful John Boy and Billy morning radio show, which has a large presence across the southeast. And lastly, here on the sports world, the return of a Dallas Cowboys player, Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence are nearing a return for the boys after off-season surgeries. So not sure if they're going to show up for the day-to-day grind of training camp, but both are close to getting on the field, according to reports. Amari Cooper back with the Cowboys. At least it looks like he'll be back before the regular season begins, which is, what are we, August 3rd? We're, we're about, a, about five weeks away from the start of regular season football in the NFL. And remember, that first game is going to be the Cowboys and Buccaneers from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa on that Thursday night 
heading into the start of the full weekend of NFL games, and that follows Labor Day weekend. So this would be the second second week of September is when you're going to have regular season NFL games going on. Let me tell you what's going on, speaking of going on, at y'all.com. That is the South's homepage. And if you go there right now, you'll find a beautifully written article put up by writer Ashley Stinson. She's got an article all about Historic Highway 90, the Southern Route 66. And she traveled U.S. 90 along the Mississippi Gulf Coast and the Alabama Gulf Coast. She went to Pascagoula. She went to Ocean Springs. She stopped by Biloxi. And then she was brave enough to cross that state line, and she went to Bayou La Battery. She went to Mobile. She went over to Dolphin Island. And she's got it all chronicled right there at y'all.com in this article, Historic Highway 90, the Southern Route 66. Now, Ashley was recently here as a guest on the Y'all Show, and at that time she was chronicling her visit to the Mississippi Delta, and she did an unbelievable job on that story. And you can go right now to y'all.com and read that story about the Delta, but you can go read about the Gulf Coast of Alabama and Mississippi and Ashley Stinson, very talented Southern girl, Southern woman, has this article up. Go check it out. I enjoyed reading all about how Massacre Island, which is right there, Dolphin Island in Alabama, how it was founded by the French in 1699. That's a long time ago. Also, she goes over to Bayou La Battery. Did you realize down in that portion of Alabama, there's a Soviet sub? As a Soviet submarine from the USSR ended up washing ashore sometime 50 years ago, And it actually has a connection to Titanic director James Cameron. If you go read the article, you can learn all about that. Again, Ashley Stinson and this article up right now. It's called Historic Highway 90, the Southern Route 66. Also, y'all, you can go there and see that great interview. We just had a portion of that on this show today with Adrian Davila, the pit master of Davila's Barbecue, Seguin, Texas. You can watch our interview right there. We also have, speaking of tourism, you can go from the Gulf Coast with Ashley's article to Texas with Adrian's Great Barbecue, and then we'll take you to Alpharetta because right there on the north end of Fulton County, north of Atlanta, you have awesome Alpharetta, and we have a fantastic feature story that's up right now, and we have an interview, and we did that with Janine Jones. She's with Alpharetta Tourism's CVB office. She's the PR manager there, and Janine is on with us, and you can watch that interview that we did with Awesome Alpharetta, and that's posted right now on y'all.com. Also, don't want to leave out, if you're looking to do some fixer-up stuff around the house, John Allen and Jimmy Duke get together each week, and they do Tricks of the Trade. And that is posted right there at y'all.com. So some very helpful information passed along, courtesy of those two great Southern men, John Allen and Jimmy Duke with Tricks of the Trade, all at y'all.com, the South's homepage. Well, we've come to the end of this Y'all show for today. want to thank y'all for tuning in. We'll be right back here with a whole new episode about Dixie. I'm John Rawl. Thank you for tuning us in.